Well, good morning, Warehouse Church. Good morning to those of you that are worshiping with us online. It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm excited about our time together this morning. Can we give Beck and Tim just a big hand of thanksgiving for leading us in worship? I was... uh, uh, I had the opportunity to be at a conference where uh, both of them were leading worship this past Tuesday in Pikeville, and uh, they sang a song, and, uh, and it was, happened to be the first song that we sang this morning, but I walked in, when they walked in this morning, I'm like, All right, what was that song? And we couldn't come up with the name of or couldn't figure out which song I was talking about, but they sang it this morning, and I was sitting there, I was like, yes, we're singing that song. And so I love that song, so thank you for introducing me to that new song, that's awesome. And, uh, and, uh, and I wanted to say again, thank you guys, I see you all on Facebook all over the place, thank you for your ministry that you're doing in this county and, and beyond. And so we're so appreciative to have you with us. And, uh, and I am super excited to see what God is gonna do this morning and uh, as we continue our conversation on prayer. And so we're in the middle of this teaching series called Prayer More Than Words, and we are learning how to pray. And uh, just a confession for you, uh, as, I, um, as I think about all the spiritual disciplines that I practice, and I think about reading God's word, I read about studying the Bible, I think about uh, solitude, I think about prayer uh, and and fasting and all these different uh, um, opportunities that we have to connect with God. And I would have to be honest with you and say that prayer is the one that I'm still learning and growing in. Like, if I'm really honest with you, it's one of those ones that, like, I, I read about and hear about from people, oh, I spent, like, hours in prayer. I think about Lori Bricken. I know she spends, like, 24 hours straight in prayer, and she's always praying. And I'm like, man, I'm, like, five minutes in, and I'm like, man, I'm done, right? Like, I'm like, all right, let's wrap this thing up. Let's get to go. And, uh, and so prayer is something that I uh, continue to grow in. But I also know this about prayer. I know that prayer is an incredible privilege, and it's something that I think that all of us can learn and grow in, right? It's something that all of us can, uh, that there's always room for, uh, if you will, for improvement in our prayer lives. Because here's another thing I know about prayer is it's a vehicle that helps us to mature spiritually. Like it's one of the ways that we grow in our relationship with God. And it's how we become all that God wants us to be. Like prayer, God uses prayer to mature us and to grow us and to transform us into who it is that he wants us to be. And so we all have room to grow in our prayer lives. And Philip Yancey in his book called Prayer uh, writes about this doctoral student who was trying to, uh, from Princeton, who was trying to figure out what his dissertation was going to be about. And he says, what is left Like, what is left in the world for original dissertation research? Like, he's trying to come up with his research project, and he's like, what what, what is something that I can write about that no one else has already done? And Albert Einstein replied and said, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. You see, prayer is this amazing opportunity that we have to connect with God in relationship. And as the disciples, as we've been reading in in Luke chapter 11, the disciples witnessed Jesus praying. And what did they say? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And, And so that's what we've been looking at is prayer. And we've been looking at the Lord's prayer specifically. In week one, we talked about the purpose of prayer. And, and, and we answered the question, why is it that we pray? Like, why do we pray? And then last week, we talked about the passion of prayer, and we answered another question, which is, well, who is it that you're praying to? And this week, I want to answer our third question, which is, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? You see, I believe that there is this pattern 
to prayer. And, and just like everything in life seems to have a pattern, like we, we look at the seasons and seasons have a pattern and we look at fall and the fall is the pattern as the leaves begin to change color, right? It gets a little cooler and the leaves begin to change color and then they begin to fall from the trees and prepares for winter, but there's this pattern. And, 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 and we, uh, prayer also has this pattern. And, and we all came this morning. I mean, let's just be real. We all came this morning with things on our hearts. And some of those things that are on our hearts are laying heavy on our hearts. And, and I want you to know that God wants to hear about those things that are on our hearts and our minds. And he wants to answer your prayers. And why? Because he cares about you and because he loves you. But I believe this. I believe that there is this pattern to prayer. And that when, uh, that when we follow the pattern, we grow and we mature in our relationship with God, and we draw closer to God. And so I want us to look this morning at this pattern to prayer, and I want us to continue to ask the question or continue to make the statement, Lord, teach us to pray. That just like the disciple asked Jesus, that we would constantly be saying, Lord, teach me to pray. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them up to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, or if, you, or if you're using the YouVersion Bible app. And I want us to start again in verse 1. And I know that we've been reading through this, and we've been reading through it each week, and we're going to continue to do so. But here's where it begins in verse 1. And, and Luke says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so, like we said last week, Jesus was praying in a certain place, right? And, and again, I, let me just encourage you, let me just implore on you to carve out some time to pray daily, like to find that certain place in your home or that certain place uh, in your office or that certain place outdoors where you pray, and find time every day to pray. And remember that we talked about how Jesus, we looked in Mark's gospel and it said that Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. Even before the sun rose, Jesus was out there praying. And so let me just encourage you to get up early and find a place to meet with God just like Jesus did. But there was something different, right, about the way that Jesus prayed. And so much that as the disciples were eavesdropping on Jesus' prayer time, as they were spying on him, as they were listening, leaning in, they just saw that there was something different about Jesus' prayer life, so different that they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Like, Lord, we want to learn how to pray like you pray. Would you teach us how to pray like that? Because like we said, that these were Jewish folk, and, and they grew up in Jewish homes, and they, were learned, they learned prayers to pray, and they would pray in the morning, in the, in, the, in the afternoon, and at night, and they had these memorized prayers. But as they were watching Jesus pray, there was just something powerful, passionate, and different, and intimate about the way that Jesus was praying to God the Father, and they wanted to learn that. And so they're like, Jesus, teach us to pray. In verse 2, it goes on, it says, Jesus, it says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also Forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So Jesus said, when you pray, not if, 
but when you pray, because Jesus knew that we would pray. He knew that we would get in trouble. He knew that life would get sideways and we would cry out for help in prayer. And so he says, when you pray, say, Father. And last week we talked about this one word, Father. And I love that God invites us to call him Father or Abba, Daddy. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. This week, I just want to hang out in that phrase, hallowed be your name. Like, let's camp out here and understand what that means, hallowed be your name. And so if you're taking notes, there's a few things that I just want you to get today. And the first thing I want you to get is the Lord's Prayer is also called the model prayer. So this is a model or a pattern that God wants us to see that as Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he's sharing with them a pattern. You see, the, uh, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is not simply that we pray the same prayer every day, but it's a, it becomes this model or this pattern for how we pray. And maybe, maybe you taught your kids uh, simple prayers uh, growing up, prayers like, now I lay me down to sleep, right? Lord, I pray my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I, Lord, I pray my soul to take. And I always thought that was a creepy prayer. Like, why would we want our kids to pray if I die before I wake? Like nightmares, right? Like I'm thinking nightmares. But we taught them prayers. We taught them these simple prayers. Why? Because we wanted them to get in the habit of praying, but as they grow up, you want them to move on from the simple prayers to more deeper and meaningful and intimate uh, prayers because now I lay me down to sleep. It was just a model. And, and we want our kids to uh, mature and to grow up. Like I just stopped doing this prayer a month ago. Like I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't, but, but it's something that we want to grow into and mature. It was a, a model for them. It was a way of getting them to pray. And, and what I want you to notice about the Lord's Prayer today is that there's this pattern, that Jesus lays out this pattern or this flow from, from God then to us. Like the Lord's Prayer begins with God and then it moves into us and our needs. I don't know if you saw it, but what did Jesus say? He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then it switches to us. And it says, give us each day our daily bread. And I think this pattern is so important because what Jesus is saying and what he's trying to teach the disciples and thus what he's trying to teach us is this vertical relationship between us and God comes first, right? Like in our prayer life, the vertical relationship comes first. And if we can get this relationship right, then every relationship down here changes. Like this relationship impacts these relationships. You see, here's what the thing I want you to know today is prayer starts with God. Prayer starts with God. But sadly, most of us and most of our prayers, they begin with us, right? Like we begin our prayers saying, God, I need this and God fix that, like fix my family, fix my spouse, fix my job, fix my boss. And God's like, hello. He's like, who are you praying to? Like, who is it that you're praying to? You see, many times 
uh, in prayer, we move in the wrong direction. Many times in prayer, we move in the wrong direction. And I remember uh, when I was doing student ministry, I took a bunch of kids on a camping trip, and we were going canoeing. And, uh, and I love camping. Like, I love camping. I love tent camping. I think any other kind of camping is not real camping. Like, if you're not in a tent on the ground, you're not camping. You're like glam camping or something. You're not camping, all right? And so I love tent camping. And we took a bunch of kids out in the woods. We were camping. Then we got up the next morning, and we went canoeing. And, uh, and we all piled in our canoes, and the kids were so excited. They're, like, running down to the banks, grabbing their canoes, jumping in. I'm like, hey, guys, make sure that you're with someone that knows how to canoe. And, and nobody was listening. And I was in the back of the pack, right? Like, I wanted to make sure that everyone else made it down the river. And, and I started uh, in my canoe with an experienced canoeer. It was me. I knew how to canoe. And the person behind me, they knew how to canoe. And we're moving down the river pretty good. Everyone else is ahead of us. And then all of a sudden, we noticed that there was some inexperienced canoers that had paired up together. And, and they were going nowhere. And I'm, when I mean nowhere, I mean nowhere. They were going nowhere really fast. Like, so we switched out. We're like, we got to do something about this because we're never going to make it down the river if they continue to do this because they were just going from bank to bank to bank. Like, they weren't going down the river. They were just going this way the whole time. And they weren't moving forward at all. And so I'm like, listen, we got to do something about this. So the guy that was in my canoe got out. We switched some people around. We put another person in the middle of our canoe because they just didn't know what they were doing. And we start back down the river and we're trying to cruise down the river. And, uh, and, and, and here's what happens is the person that was with me, they didn't know what they were doing. I'm like, hey, just take your paddle and put it in the canoe and just enjoy the ride. Like, I got this, right? Like, I'm like, if we don't do something, we're never going to make it down the river. It was a two-hour canoe trip that turned into five hours. Like, we crammed two hours into five hours. It was the longest day of my entire life. Like, everyone else had made it down the river. They had already eaten lunch. They're all like, what happened to you? Like, we didn't have phones in the canoe with us, nothing. Nobody knew where we were. And I felt like a little bit like Gilligan's Island, right? Like, it was a three-hour trip that took forever. And, uh, and we finally made it down the river. And I think prayer, I think prayer can be a lot like that because sometimes uh, in our prayer lives, we feel like we're just going from bank to bank to bank. Like we're not moving in the right direction. We're moving in the wrong direction. We're inexperienced. And, and so we dive into giving God our list. And, 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 and then we wonder, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Like we just begin right away. Uh, dear God, help me, help me, help me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Rescue, rescue, rescue. And we don't start with God. And it feels like we're just going from bank to bank, not getting anywhere. And the truth is this, that starting our prayer with God changes our perspective and we begin to see reality from God's point of view. You see, we must, our prayers need to start with God. And when we start with this pattern that I'm about to teach you, when we start this pattern that Jesus taught the disciples, it starts with God. And when we begin our prayer lives with God, that's when we begin to change the way we see things around us. And so this, there's a simple acronym that I learned a long time ago that helps us in prayer. And it's just a, it's a four-letter word. It's the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. And, uh, and ACTS, each letter in the, in the word stands for, uh, or each letter uh, stands for a word. And so A is adoration, C is confession, T is thanksgiving, and S is supplication. And I just want to get real practical with us today because I just think that there's so important that we have powerful prayer lives, that our prayer lives are meaningful, that our prayer lives are following this pattern that Jesus taught the disciples so long ago, Father, beginning with Father, hallowed be your name. 
And it's so easy to learn this pattern, and it helps us to change our prayer lives. It'll transform your prayer lives. And so if you struggle like I do so often with my prayer life, I would encourage you, take some notes and write down uh, ACTS, and and let's uh, pick apart what each of those mean, because instead of coming into our prayer saying, God, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want, all of a sudden we're like, God, I just want to be in your presence, Like, I just want to worship you. I just want to reorient my life around you and your purposes. Like, that's what this pattern does. And this is what Jesus, I believe, was trying to teach the disciples, that it's not a memorized uh, prayer that 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 you're praying, that it's not just about what you want and what you need, that it begins, prayer begins with God, and it begins with reorienting your life around God. Like, you just, you know, God, life's been crazy lately. I've been distracted. Life's gotten sideways. So much is going on, and I need to, I recognize I just need to reorient my prayer life around you and around your presence. And so let's look at Acts uh, this morning. It begins with A, and A is adoration. And that's what Jesus, uh, when he was teaching the disciples, he began by saying, uh, Father, hallowed be your name. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, we don't use this word hallowed anymore. It's a weird word. We don't walk up to someone and say, hey, you're so hallowed, right? Like, we don't say that. Like, uh, how often have you even used the word hallowed in the past year, unless you're saying the Lord's Prayer, maybe? Uh, And and so we don't even know often what it means, but it just means to, to be honored. It means to be holy. It means to be set apart. And so when Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, he's like saying, God, you are holy, Like you are set apart, you are different from everyone else, you're holy and I am not. And so so that's what it means to be honored and holy and set apart. And so when we're moving into prayer and when you begin to move into prayer, uh, we wanna set the boundaries, right? Like we wanna set the boundaries right away and we just wanna say, God, you are holy and you are honored and you are set apart, That's what Jesus meant when he said, hallowed be your name. It means I'm coming into this time of prayer, Lord, and I'm coming into it with you on my mind. Like I'm not coming here to make demands like you're some cosmic vending machine. I want to begin my prayer with you. I'm just coming in. I'm easing into it, and I'm focusing my heart and my mind on who you are. That's where I want to begin. Father, hallowed be your name. And listen, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there is power in the name of God. And, and for most of us, uh, uh, our parents picked out our names, right? Like when we were born, our parents picked out our names, and, and they probably took some time and, and thought, thinking about what they were going to name you, and, and maybe they named you for a certain reason. Maybe you got your name uh, because uh, it was a family name. That's mine. I, I'm, I am actually a junior, and so I was named after my dad, and maybe that is your case too, or maybe uh, it was a great uncle, or maybe it was a grandmother, uh, maybe it was uh, whoever, but you were named after someone in the family or maybe you were named because there's a quality that they want you to have and grow up with. And so they named you based on that quality. Whatever it is, you were named uh, for something inside of you or something special. But in the Jewish culture, the name that represented the very essence of who the person was. Like it wasn't a family name. It was like you were given a name because that is who you were going to be. 
And we see in scripture that even God, like even the names of God, that they, they have this essence, this, this power just within the names. And God, throughout the Bible, he shares with people his name. And, and he calls himself, one example is Elohim. He says, I'm Elohim, which means majestic. And so God is majestic. He also calls himself Yahweh. And we talked about this last week when he was sharing with the, the Jews. He's like, my name is Yahweh. And they're like freaking out because Yahweh meant that he was personal and relational, and that was a twist on who God was because they only knew God to be so mighty and powerful that he was some far away distant God, and now he's calling himself Yahweh. He also called himself Adonai, which means our master, or Jehovah Jireh, which is uh, our God is our provider, or Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord is my healer. And so all of these names of God talk about who he is, and there's something that happens when we are in the presence of God and we call him by his name. And we start off by just saying, God, I wanna reorient my life around you. It's been crazy, Lord. It's been hectic. The kids are driving me crazy. My husband or my spouse, they just got me on my edge. Or my kids, my kids, oh my gosh. And, and we just say, God, I just wanna pause. And I just wanna reorient and focus on you. You see, most of the time in prayer, we just jump right into what we think we need. I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever listened to kids pray? Like, I, I, I loved uh, listening to uh, my kids pray, and I love listening to other kids pray. They pray the darndest things, right? Like, I've heard kids pray, God, help me not get stepped on by a T-Rex. Like, I don't know if you ever heard that prayer. Or, or kids will pray, Lord, help me uh, have ice cream for every meal, Right? Or, or maybe they'll pray, Lord, help the teacher forget about math so we can have extra recess. I mean, all of, their, all of the kids, they often start off praying with what they need. And it's funny because sometimes we don't grow up, do we? And oftentimes our prayers today continue to start off with what we need. Here's what I need, God. Help me, help me, help me. Save me, save me, save me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. But what if? What if we started off our prayers with God first? Like, let's focus on who God is first. Give him the praise. Give him the glory that he deserves. Like, before you dive into your laundry list of things that you need or want, why not enter into prayer, worshiping God, praising his name, and reminding ourselves that he is in control? Like, and maybe you struggle with that. Like, adoration, maybe you struggle with what to say. Like, maybe you're like, but, but Pastor Rick, I, like, I don't know what to say to God. And, and I've got a, a secret for you. It's a secret that I've been using a lot lately, and, and it's called, I call it the alphabet of praise. Like, when you don't know how to uh, uh, show adoration to God, uh, just pick out the adoration of praise or the alphabet of praise. And what is that? It just means you go through the alphabet. And every letter you use, every letter of the alphabet, you say a, a word of praise to God. So you start with A. You say, God, you're awesome. God, you're amazing. God, you are just, you are all-knowing. And you start with A, and then B, God, you're beautiful. You're, you're, uh, uh, you're beloved. Uh, God, you are just uh, C, courageous. God, you're constant. God, you're, you're, in, you're D, you're delightful. And you just walk yourself through the alphabet. 
And you just began to describe God using the letters of the alphabet. So uh, I've reached this age in my life where I've started getting up really early in the morning, like in the middle of the night, really. I wake up in the middle of the night, like three o'clock is my magic time. And around three o'clock, I'm just like wide awake. And I'm like, man, that was a good night's rest. And I look at my clock and it's like three o'clock. And I'm like, are you serious? Like I've only been asleep for like four hours and then I'm like, what do I do? And I have a hard time getting back to sleep. And I used to like look on Facebook or I would, uh, I would plug in some, um, some uh, sounds, like some sleeping sounds. Um, but now I started doing the alphabet of praise. And I just start going through the alphabet. And I just start uh, giving God praise for who he is. And I start with A and some nights I don't make it past M and I drift off back to sleep. Other nights I go all the way through Z and I start all over again. Uh, and so, but it's just been so helpful to me. And what, isn't it cool to think about, man, you drift back off to sleep just showing God praise. Like you get to M, God, you're magnificent. And then you're like snoring. Like, it's just awesome to be that way. And so I just encourage you, if you struggle with, well, what do I say to God? How do I, how do I adore him? Just do the alphabet of praise. Just walk through the alphabet and set the stage and reorient your life around him in adoration. God, you are amazing. God, you are so beautiful. You get down to M, God, you're magnificent. God, you are, uh, you are mighty. And you skip, I've even learned W, X, Y, and Z. Like I've had to work on it, but I've learned W, X, Y, and Z. And so I'm not gonna tell you because I want you to figure it out on your own. But I, just think about how can you praise God? And so from adoration, once, you, once you've entered into prayer, focusing and reorienting your life around who God is, it automatically leads you into this time of C, which is confession. Father, hallowed be your name. And when we are in the presence of God and when we are recognizing his holiness, uh, we are confronted with it, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm working through the alphabet of praise even, I'm confronted with how holy and amazing God is. And in that confrontation with God and who he is, I recognize the sin in my own life. And I recognize, God, I don't even deserve to be in your presence. Like there's some stuff in my life and, and, and I need to confess it to you. There's some imperfections. There's some things that, that, that I have to own up to. And so it just automatically, once we spend time in the presence of God, we automatically can't help but spending time uh, confessing to God the stuff in our lives, the imperfections and the sin. Because here's what happens when we acknowledge the holiness of God. When you acknowledge who God is, you're like, whoa. You're like, wait a minute. There's some things in my life that just don't line up with who you are, God. There's some things in my life that I've got to confess to you. That God, through the Holy Spirit, he brings those things to my attention. That I, you know, as I'm, as I'm being in his presence, as I'm reorienting my life, as I'm, as I'm adoring him, I just recognize out of his holiness that there's some things that I must confess to who, to God. And instead of, I find myself, instead of saying, God, will you fix all of these people? I find myself saying, God, would you just start with me? Like, would you just start with my heart? Would you start with my greed? Would you start with my ungratefulness? Would you start with my unforgiveness? Just like David prayed, when he prayed to the Lord, he said, search me, O God. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything impure in me and lead me in your ways everlasting. David was like, I'm in the presence of God. And oh God, I want you to search my heart. And if there's anything impure, anything in me that doesn't line up with who you are, 
Make me aware of it so that I might confess it to you. And here's the thing about confession. Confession is not us telling God something that he doesn't know. It's not like when we're confessing and God's like, well, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't see that one coming. Like, God knows the things on our hearts. So confessing is not us revealing to God the things that he didn't know. Confession is us recognizing that we have sin in our lives and recognizing the part that we've played in it. And so we've been, we've been trying to hide our sin from God from the very beginning of time. I mean, you think of Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve had everything that they needed in the garden in Genesis in the very beginning of the Bible. They had everything they need. They were living in paradise. And, and, and God is walking with them through the garden. He's like, you got this, you got this, you got this. He goes, one thing though. He said, you can't eat from that tree. And what do Adam and Eve do? They eat from it anyway. And immediately, immediately after they eat from the tree, they recognize their own sin. And what do they do? They go hide behind a bush. And here comes God walking through the garden. And he's like, hey, Adam, hey, Eve, where are you? Like they spent every day walking in the garden in the presence of God. And he's like, where are you guys at? And they're like looking at each other like, shh. They're like, he won't find us because we're hiding behind this bush. I'm like, did they recognize who God was? Like God knows exactly what bush they were hiding behind. And instead of confessing, like when, they, when God approaches them, instead of confessing their sin, what do they do? They begin to blame each other, right? Like Adam begins right away, he says, it's not my fault, like it's all her fault. Like she's the one that ate it and fed it to me. And really, God, it's, it's probably your fault because, well, you know, you created her and all. And then Eve's like, no, not my fault. It's like, it's the serpent's fault. He tricked me into eating it. And they just start playing the blame game. And we do the same thing at some point. And at some point, we got to stop. Like, we got to stop blaming others for our sin. And we got to go, wait. We got to stop and say, I recognize, I want to recognize the sin in my own life. And I want to take ownership of my sin. So search my heart, oh God, and know my heart. You see, confession is us identifying the areas in our lives that don't align with who God is. None of us are perfect. None of us in this room are perfect. And, but, but our goal, our goal is to strive to become more like Jesus, to be more compassionate like Jesus was, more loving like Jesus was, more forgiving like Jesus was. So confession, it's a must in our lives. And if you notice as you go through the Lord's Prayer, it begins, Father, hallowed be your name. It says, your kingdom come. It says, give us each day our daily bread. And then verse four says this, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. So who do we forgive? Everyone who sins against us. And so there's something about confession, right? That when we see and recognize the sin in our own lives, we, 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 we can't help but confess it. But there's also a responsibility to forgive others. That not only is it us confessing our sin to God, but we have this responsibility to forgive those who have hurt us. And this is where life gets difficult, right? Like it's hard to forgive other people. And I think about in my life, I learned forgiveness. I learned this part of forgiveness from my mom. And I've shared my story with you before how when I was 17 years old, my father was shot and killed. And my mom in that moment taught me what it means to forgive others. 
Because two days after her husband was shot and killed, she went into the church and she walked up to this old church uh, in, in, um, in Geneva, Florida, this old church. She walked up to the front in the altar area. She bent down on her knees and she forgave the man who took her husband's life. And she taught me and she taught my sister the value of forgiving others. She taught us that when you have a relationship with God, when you reorient your life around God the Father, hallowed be your name, you are holy. When that takes place, that not only does it cause you to confess, but it causes you to live a life of forgiveness. And she taught us the importance of forgiving others. And maybe in your life, Maybe you feel like you are just going from bank to bank, like in a canoe, and maybe, uh, especially when it comes to this area of confession, maybe there's something in your own life that you need to confess. Like maybe there's this secret sin that you don't think anyone else knows about, or maybe there's this person in your life that you've been holding a grudge against for so long, and you need to forgive, and, and every time you start, like every time you get to that point, you're like, God, I just can't do it. Like I, I can't confess this sin. Sin. I can't bring it from the darkness into the light, or I can't forgive that person because, God, you don't know what they did. And God's like, yes, I do. God's like, I know, and I'm bringing you through it. I'm walking with you through this forgiveness. You are mine, and you just got to trust who I am. And so there's this act of confession. And there's this act of not only confessing our sin, but living a lifestyle of forgiving others. So there's adoration, which leads to confession. And then out of your confession comes this, uh, comes thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it's learning to be thankful. It's counting your blessings. It's having this attitude of gratitude. You see, even before we get to what we wanna pray for, even before we get to our, our wants and our needs, we should be thankful for what we already have. We should be thankful for what the Lord has done in our lives. And so often, though, we concentrate on what we don't have. Like, that's what we do. Instead of counting our blessings, we count up the things that we don't have. We look at other people, we look around, and we say, look at what they have. I should have that too. And we focus on what we don't have rather than on what we do have. And I've learned that there's something powerful about coming to God with this attitude of gratitude and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for what I do have. Coming to God and say, thank you, God, for sending your son to die on a cross for me. God, thank you for your forgiveness. God, thank you for salvation. God, thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for rescuing me. God, I just want to say thank you. Like how often do we come before the Lord with this thanksgiving on our hearts? How often does our thanksgiving just ooze out of us in our prayer lives? As a parent, don't you love when your kids say thank you? Like, I love it when my kids say thank you. There's just something amazing about when your kids walk up to you and say thank you, when they say thanks for cooking dinner for me. Like, Jackson is so good. Every night he goes, thanks, Rick, for cooking dinner. Like, thanks for dinner, uh, or, or thanks for playing catch with me, Dad. Uh, there's just something amazing about when our kids walk up to us or walk up to others and say, thank you. Like when, when Jackson was young, when Emma, when Joey and Clayton, when they were young, and they would walk up to someone and say, thank you, it's like you wanted to puff your chest out a little bit further, and like, that's my boy, or that's my girl, because they said, thank you. 
And I think the same is true for God when we say thank you. God, I just want to thank you. I may not come to you all the time, but and when I do, I often always have this laundry list of wants and needs. And yet, as I look back at my life, when I look back at my life, God, you've always been there. And when I was going through that hard time in middle school, you were there. When I was in college and I did that thing, you were there. When I was a young adult uh, and my life was falling apart, you were there. And God, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for being faithful. Thanks for always being there. Thanks for being constant in my life when no one else has. Thank you. And in your prayer life, I wonder, do you spend time? Do you spend time thanking God for what he's already done in your life? Do you spend time in your prayer life counting your blessings? Do you say something like, God, before I bring this new situation to you, I just want to thank you for coming through before. And and, and you were faithful before, and I know that you will be faithful again. So thank you. You see, out of our confession, which came out of our adoration, comes this spirit of thanksgiving. So we have adoration and confession and thanksgiving. And finally, finally, supplication. And supplication is simply when we bring our list to God, right? Like this is the, this is the moment we've been waiting for. This is the moment where we want to, uh, when we want to share with God what's going on in our lives, when we want to pray for the things that we need, things that we want, we want to pray for healing, we want to pray for our friends, we want to pray for our family members. This is supplication. It's where we ask for the need. And you know, when we were kids, we were always telling our parents what we needed, weren't we? Like we would say to our parents, I need a new bicycle, or I need some new shoes, or I need that toy. And our parents tried to help us to understand that there was a difference between our needs and our wants, right? Like I know um, I tried to explain that to my kids. My mom tried to explain that to me, that she would always say, Rick, there's a difference between needs and wants. Like you don't need a new bike. Your bike works perfectly fine. You want a new bike. And I remember I needed, I'm going to show my age here, uh, back in the 80s, like the parachute pants. I don't know if anybody can remember parachute pants. Uh, If you you can't, just Google them. Uh, But they were these... pants that were made of parachute-like material, and it had zippers everywhere. Like they were the cargo pants were in the 90s, parachute pants were in the 80s, and they had all these zippers and everything. And, and, uh, and I told my mom I needed a pair of parachute pants. And, and we didn't have a whole lot of money back then. And I remember that, uh, that we couldn't afford the parachute pants at the, at the really cool stores in the mall. And so she took me to Sears, And Sears had these things that kind of looked like parachute pants, but they didn't have the cool zippers. They were weird looking zippers. And you could tell they just weren't the real deal. And she's like, I'll get you some of these. And then I tried them on and they were like a mile too long. And my mom said, don't worry about it. I can hem those up. And I'm like, hem them up. I'm like, mom, there's zippers down there. Like, how can, how can you do that? And, uh, and then she, she hemmed them up. She bought them and hemmed them up. And, and, and they were like parachute pants with bell bottoms at the end. And I was like, this is, I, I don't know how to do this. And I had to wear them to school, but I needed parachute pants. And so often we come to God saying, I need God, I need some parachute pants. I need, I need, I need. And God wants us to ask. Don't get me wrong. He wants us to ask, but even more, God wants us to trust. He wants us to trust that he's gonna take care of us. Just like my mom wanted us as kids to know that that she was gonna take care of us. She wanted us to know that she was gonna take care of our needs and, and, and she wanted me to ask. 
And, and she wanted me to have those things. She wanted, I know my mom wanted me to have the real parachute pants. She wanted me to, but it just wasn't in our budget. But even more than that, though, she wanted me to trust her. You see, trust that, that she was going to be there and she was going to take care of us. And the same thing is true of God. God wants to hear what you, what's on your heart, but more so, he wants you to trust him that he knows what's best for you. Max Lucado writes in one of his books, he says, prayer is not asking God to do what you want. It's trusting God to do what is best. Just think about that for a minute. Prayer is not asking God to do what we want. It's trusting God to do what is best. And I believe that God answers every prayer that we pray. I believe that, he does. And sometimes he answers yes. And we love that answer, right? We love it when God answers, yes, I prayed about this job, it came through. I prayed about this bill, it was taken care of. We love when God answers, yes, but sometimes God also answers, no. And, and we don't like that. We don't like when God answers, no, but it comes back to that trusting part, trusting that God knows what's best for us better than I do. And it's like when you're a kid, and you ask your parents for ice cream every meal, and your parents like, no, I'm not going to give you ice cream every meal because that's not good for you. And we look back on our lives. I mean, think about it. You look back on your lives at the things that God said no to, and oftentimes you're like, man, I am so thankful that God said no. Like you were like, you're praying for that, that special person in your life and you know who it is and you're like, man, uh, I'm praying for so-and-so. That's the one, God. I'm praying that, you know, that so-and-so and I, that we'll get together. And then, you know, like 20 years down the road, you're looking at their Facebook and you're like, man, I'm so glad God said no, right? You're like, God, thank you. And, uh, and, so, uh, and, and so sometimes we look back and we're like, God said no for a reason. And we're like, thank you. So God sometimes says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes... God says, wait. And many times that's the hardest one for us, right? Like we don't like to wait. We want it right now. We want it right here, right now. Uh, we want instant gratification and it's hard for us to wait on God. But God's like, hey, just hold on. Like you've been praying for a relationship. Just hold on. I'm, I'm working behind the scenes. I'm getting the right person to be right in front of you. So just hold on. Or you're praying for that job and God's like, just wait because I got a better job than what you ever dreamed of. Just hold on and wait. And I'm preparing you or I'm preparing other people or I'm moving some things around and I just need you to wait. And so God answers our prayers. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, and sometimes wait. And what we learn when we follow this pattern of prayer that I've been talking about is that instead of coming to God with our needs first, we begin with, by adoring him. And we begin to adore him and then we confess because as we adore him, we recognize, oh my gosh, God is holy. I'm not. There's some stuff in my life that I need to unload and get rid of. And so we confess and then out of that confession, we're like, man, I'm so thankful. Like, I can't help it, but I'm just overflowing with thanksgiving because God rescued me. He saved me. He, he, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. He is bringing me his kingdom. Like, I'm one of his, and I can't help but say thank you. And then our needs. Here's what happens. When we do this pattern and we follow adoration, confession, thanksgiving, here's what happens is our needs begin to line up with God's will. Like when you follow this pattern, you begin to ask for things that you're like, wait a minute, that's not what I was going to start with. Like that's not what I was asking for in the beginning. But as you fall in the presence of God, as you get into his presence, 
your wants and needs and desire begin to line up with God's will. You see, prayer, it changes everything. This pattern of prayer changes everything. It's like, God, I want to, I want to bring this before you. But before I do, I want it to line up with what you want for me. Because here's what I know about God is that, God, you know what's best for me better than I do. You know what relationships I need. You know what job I need. You know what faithfulness I need. And so, God, I want it to line up. See, church, here's the one thing I know about prayer. It's simply this, that the more that we do it, the more it changes us. The more that you pray, the more that you spend time in this pattern of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, the more it transforms who you are. It shifts from a laundry list of wants and needs to this really neat time of being in the presence of God, of worshiping God. Uh, It comes to this time of adoration and confession. And before you know it, you're like giving God on your knees saying, thank you, God. Thank you for your gratitude. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for providing in the ways that you have. It begins with adoration and it ends with praying for the things that are on the heart of God. You see, we enter into this prayer, this pattern of prayer that begins with adoration for God We recognize that he is holy and that we are not. And it compels us to confess our sin. And out of that confession comes this heart of gratitude. And then we finally get to our list. And our list has spiritually been transformed into the things that are on the heart of God. Our Father, our Father, hallowed be your name. Church, let me just invite you. Let me invite you into this pattern of prayer. Like if you're like me and you're like, man, I still got a lot to learn about prayer. Here's a great model. Just start with adoration. Go through the alphabet of praise. Leading and let it lead into a time of confession. Like be willing to confess the things that you know are keeping you far from God. And then out of that confession, follow it up with a time of thanksgiving. Like take the time to look back and see how God has been faithful in your life. And just say, God, thank you. Thank you for being good. Thank you for being mighty. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for being forgiving. Thank you for your mercy. And then out of that, come to that time where you say, and God, can I just share what's on my heart? Like, I want to pray, Lord. I want to pray your will be done in, in, my, in my spouse's life. I want to pray that you would bring healing in my dad's life. I want to pray that you would lead my kids back into your presence. And there's just something that happens in our laundry list of wants and needs transforms into things that God wants for the people on our list. So let me just invite you, church, to spend time in this pattern of prayer and see if it doesn't transform your prayer life.
Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for just this pattern that you've given us to pray through the Lord's prayer. And Lord, just like Jesus said, when we pray, would we begin with Father? And when we begin with Father, we move on to begin to declare your holiness. Hallowed be your name. God, you are holy. You are mighty. You are, uh, you are constant. You are dependable. You are forgiving. You are all of these things. And out of that discovering God's holiness, may we discover that we're imperfect. And may we confess grateful for who God is and spend time in prayer praying for the people that we care about and the things that we care about and may those things turn into the things that God wants Father thank you teach us to pray Lord because Lord when we learn to pray you transform our lives and Father if there's someone in this room today who has never been transformed by you, that has never said yes to you, that, Father, today would be the day that they would surrender their lives to you and say, Lord, I recognize that you are holy. And, God, I am far from you, but today I want to be near you. And so, Lord, I confess that I am lost, that I'm a sinner, far from you. And I invite you to come and be my Lord and my Savior, to rescue me, from my sin so that I might be in your presence with thanksgiving on my heart. God, would you just search all of our hearts right now? Would you make us aware of the things in our lives that are keeping us far from you? We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us in the many ways that you do. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing one last song today in, in our worship to the Lord. And let me just invite you as we stand up and sing that you would get caught up in the holiness of who God is. That as we sing these words, that in the back of your mind, you would be like, Father, hallowed be your name. You are holy. You are set apart. You are amazing. You are awesome. And maybe just go through the alphabet of praise as you sing in your mind. And maybe you need to come and spend some time in confession. And I invite you to come forward and spend time in prayer in the altar area. Maybe you just want to come and pray prayers of thanksgiving. Maybe you just want to come and pray for the people in your family or pray for those kids that have fallen away from God or pray for those family members or pray for those friends who need healing. Whatever it is, you're welcome to come and spend time in prayer. And if you want someone to pray with you, I'll be right up here on the front row, just tap my shoulder. Hey, would you come pray with me? I'd be honored to. Or maybe just tap the person next to you and say, hey, would you come pray with me and spend time in prayer and community? But let's stand together and let's worship our holy God and let's adore him for who he is as we sing these words together. Sing these words out.